Chapter 23, Part 1 of Struggles and Triumphs, or Forty Years' Recollections of P.T. Barnum. Written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. Struggles and Triumphs of P.T. Barnum, Chapter 23, Other Enterprises, Part 1. While I was managing the Lynn Concerts, in addition to the American Museum, I had other business matters in operation which were more than enough to engross my entire attention, and which, of course, I was compelled to commit to the hands of associates and agents. In 1849, I had projected a great traveling museum and menagerie, and, as I had neither time nor inclination to manage such a concern, I induced Mr. Seth B. Howes, justly celebrated as a showman, to join me and take the sole charge. Mr. Sherwood E. Stratton, father of General Tom Thumb, was also admitted to partnership, the interest being in thirds. In carrying out a portion of the plan, we chartered the ship Regatta, Captain Pratt, and dispatched her, together with our agents, Messrs. June and Nutter, to Ceylon. The ship left New York in May 1850 and was absent one year. Their mission was to procure, either by capture or purchase, twelve or more living elephants, besides such other wild animals as they could secure. In order to provide sufficient drink and provender for a cargo of these huge animals, we purchased a large quantity of hay in New York. Five hundred tons were left at the island of St. Helena to be taken on the return trip of the ship, and staves and hoops of water casks were also left at the same place. As our agents were unable to purchase the required number of elephants either in Colombo or Candy, the principal towns of the island of Ceylon, they took 160 native assistants and plunged into the jungles, where, after many most exciting adventures, they succeeded in securing 13 elephants of a suitable size for their purpose, with a female and her calf, or baby elephant, only six months old. In the course of the expedition, Messrs. Nutter and June killed large numbers of the huge beasts, and had numerous encounters of the most terrific description with the formidable animals, one of the most fearful of which took place near Anarahapura, while they were endeavoring, by the aid of the natives, and trained elephants to drive the wild herd of beasts into an Indian kraal. They arrived in New York in 1851 with ten of the elephants, and these, harnessed in pairs to a chariot, paraded up Broadway past the Irving House, while Jenny Lynn was staying at that hotel on the occasion of her second visit to New York. Messrs. Nutter and June also brought with the elephants a native who was competent to manage and control them, we added a caravan of wild animals and many museum curiosities. The entire outfit, including horses, vans, carriages, tents, etc., costing $109,000, and commenced operations with the presence and under the patronage of General Tom Thumb, who traveled nearly four years as one of the attractions of Barnum's Great Asiatic Caravan Museum and Menagerie, 
returning us immense profits. At the end of that time, after exhibiting in all sections of the country, we sold out the entire establishment, animals, cages, chariots, and paraphernalia, excepting one elephant, which I retained in my own possession two months for agricultural purposes. It occurred to me that if I could put an elephant to plowing for a while on my farm at Bridgeport, it would be a capital advertisement for the American Museum, which was then, and always during my proprietorship of that establishment, foremost in my thoughts. So I sent him to Connecticut, in charge of his keeper, whom I dressed in oriental costume, and keeper and elephant were stationed on a six-acre lot which lay close beside the track of the New York and New Haven Railroad. The keeper was furnished with a timetable of the road with special instructions to be busily engaged in his work whenever passenger trains from either way were passing through. Of course, the matter soon appeared in the papers and went the entire rounds of the press in this country and even in Europe, and it was everywhere announced that P.T. Barnum, proprietor of the celebrated American Museum in New York, and here is where the advertisement came in, had introduced elephants upon his farm to do his plowing and heavy draft work. Hundreds of people came many miles to witness the novel spectacle. Letters poured in upon me from the secretaries of hundreds of state and county agricultural societies throughout the Union, stating that the presidents and directors of such societies had requested them to propound to me a series of questions in regard to the new power I had put in operation on my farm. These questions were greatly diversified, but the general run of them were something like the following. 1. Is the elephant a profitable agricultural animal? 2. How much can an elephant plow in a day? 3. How much can he draw? 4. How much does he eat? This question was invariably asked, and was a very important one. 5. Will elephants make themselves generally useful on a farm? I suppose some of my inquirers thought the elephant would pick up chips or even pens as they have been taught to do, and would rock the baby and do all of the chores, including the occasional carrying of a trunk other than his own, to the depot. 6. What is the price of an elephant? 7. Where can elephants be purchased? Then would follow a score of other inquiries, such as whether elephants were easily managed, if they would quarrel with cattle, if it was possible to breed them, how old calf elephants must be before they would earn their own living, and so on indefinitely. I began to be alarmed lest someone should buy an elephant, and so share the fate of the man who drew one in a lottery and did not know what to do with him. I accordingly had a general letter printed, which I mailed to all my anxious inquirers. It was headed, Strictly Confidential, and I then stated, begging my correspondence, not to mention it, that to me the elephant was a valuable agricultural animal because he was an excellent advertisement to my museum, but that to other farmers he would prove very unprofitable for many reasons. In the first place, such an animal would cost from 3000 to $10,000. In cold weather, he could not work at all. In any weather, he could not earn even half his living. He would eat up the value of his own head, trunk, and body every year, and I begged my correspondents not to do so foolish a thing as to undertake elephant farming. Newspaper reporters came from far and near, 
and wrote glowing accounts of the elephantine performances. One of them, taking a political view of the matter, stated that the elephant's sagacity showed that he knew more than did any labor on the farm, and yet, shameful to say, he was not allowed to vote. Another said that Barnum's elephant built all the stone wall on the farm, made all the rail fences, planted corn with his trunk, and covered it with his foot, washed my windows, and sprinkled the walks and lawn by taking water from the fountain basin with his trunk, carried all the children to school and put them to bed at night, tucking them up with his trunk, fed the pigs, picked fruit from branches that could not otherwise be reached, turned the fanning mill and corn sheller, drew the mowing machine and turned and cocked the hay with his trunk, carried and brought my letters to and from the post office, it was a male elephant, and did all the chores about the house, including milking the cows and bringing in eggs. Pictures of Barnum's plowing elephant appeared in illustrated papers at home and abroad, and as the cars passed the scene of the performance, passengers' heads were out of every window, and among many and varied exclamations I heard of one man saying, Well, I declare, that is certainly a real elephant, and any man who has so many elephants that he can afford to work them on his farm must have lots of wild animals and curious critters in his museum, and I am bound to go there the first thing after my arrival in New York. The six acres were plowed over at least sixty times before I thought the advertisement sufficiently circulated, and I then sold the elephant to Van Omberg's menagerie. A substantial farmer friend of mine, Mr. Gideon Thompson, called at Iranistan during the elephant excitement and asked me to accompany him to the field to let him see how the big animal worked. I knew him to be a shrewd, sharp man and a good farmer, and I tried to excuse myself as I did not wish to be too closely questioned. Indeed, for the same reason, I made it a point at all times to avoid being present when the plying was going on. But the old farmer was a particular friend, and he refused to take no for an answer, so I went with him to see the elephant. Arriving at the field, Mr. Thompson said nothing, but stood with folded arms and stately watched the elephant for at least fifteen minutes. Then he walked on to the plowed ground and found it so mellow that he sank nearly up to his knees, for it had already been plowed over and over many times. As usual, several spectators were present. Mr. Thompson walked up to where I was standing, and, looking me squarely in the eye, he asked with much earnestness, What is your object, sir, in bringing that great Asiatic animal onto a New England farm? To plow, I replied very demurely. To plow, said Thompson, don't talk to me about plowing. I have been out where he has plowed, and the ground is so soft I thought I should go through and come out in China. No, sir. You can't humbug me. You have got some other object in bringing that elephant up here. Now what is it? Don't you see for yourself that I am plying with him? I asked. Nonsense, said Thompson. That would never pay. I have no doubt he eats more than he earns every day. You have some other purpose in view. I am sure you have. Perhaps he does not eat so much as you think, I replied, and you see he draws nobly. In fact, I expect he will be just the animal by and by to draw saw logs to mill and do other heavy work. But Uncle Gid, 
was not to be put aside so easily so he asked very sharply how much does he eat in a day oh i replied carelessly not more than a quarter of a ton of hay and three or four bushels of oats exactly said thompson his eyes glistening with delight that is just about what i expected he can't draw so much as two pair of my oxen can and he costs more than a dozen pair you are mistaken friend thompson i replied with much gravity that elephant is a powerful animal he can draw more than forty yoke of oxen and he pays me well for bringing him here forty yoke of oxen contemptuously replied the old farmer i don't want to tell you i doubt your word but i would just like to know what he can draw he can draw the attention of twenty millions of american citizens to barnum's museum i replied oh you can make him pay in that way of course responded the old farmer none but a greenhorn could ever have expected he would pay in any other way i replied the old man gave a hearty laugh and said well i give it up i have been a farmer thirty-five years and i have only just discovered that an elephant is a very useful and profitable animal on a farm provided the farmer also owns a museum end of chapter twenty three part one recording by nancy cochran gergen gilbert arizona